Hey guys, welcome to As the Crime Turns, a weekly true crime podcast. I'm Desmond Revelle, your host, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. I created As the Crime Turns because I wanted to provide a platform for a wide array of crime stories that I felt like should be told. On this show, I discuss everything from homicide to missing person cases, cold cases, police-involved shootings, and even wrongful convictions. As my future crime turner nation, I'm depending solely on you to let me know how I'm doing. So if you like today's show, please subscribe and give me a review. I'm eager to hear your feedback. All right, let's get started. Our story begins in 2012, shortly after Labor Day in a small but famous Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Known for the famous Halloween celebrations, one of the nation's oldest public universities, UNC Chapel Hill, and after September 7, 2012, one of the area's unsolved murders of the decade. This is the story of Faith Danielle Edgepeth. Faith was born and raised in Warren County, North Carolina, home of the Haliwisaponi Native American tribe, of which Faith was a member. The youngest of four children, Faith's mother and father were Roland and Connie Hedgepeth. The two divorced shortly after Faith was born. Faith was always known as the baby girl growing up because, of course, she was the youngest. Faith was highly regarded by family and friends. She was described as being very pretty and had a striking smile no one would forget. She was known to light up any room that she entered. There was never a person that she didn't befriend or help if she could. In high school, Hedgepeth was an honor student, a cheerleader, and a member of many extracurricular clubs and organizations. She did well enough academically to earn a Gates Millennium Scholarship, and in 2010, after graduating from the local Warren County High School, Faith set off to UNC Chapel Hill, or Carolina, as many of the locals call it. Faith aimed to be the first to graduate from college in her family. She wanted to be a pediatrician or an educator. Her father, Roland, had also attended UNC, but did not finish. Faith was excited to move in her father's footsteps. The only bad thing is, she had no idea she would never graduate. So here's what we know. The day started as any other for Faith. As a student, she attended class and worked to support herself. That night, September 6, 2012, around 7.30, Faith dropped her roommate, Karina Rosario, off at the Davis Library. She then attended an interest meeting for a well-known Native American sorority, Alpha Pi Omega. After leaving the meeting, she picked Karina up around 11.30 and the two headed home, just in time for a Thursday night at the club. Before we move forward, let me give you a little background on Karina Rosario. Karina and Faith had a very close relationship. The two met in the fall of 2010 at the start of their freshman year at Carolina. In 2012, Faith decided to take a semester off from school to focus on working and saving money. She would commute often from Durham to Chapel Hill during this time. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Karina becomes fond of a young man by the name of Eric Takoy Jones. The two become so fond with each other, they decide to get an apartment. 
they move into Hawthorne at the View. By the summer of 2012, things were on the rocks with the two, and Eric began to become abusive. After Chakoy kicked the front door in, Faith forced Karina to get a protective order against him. She then offered to move in with her at Hawthorne at the View. After the two began living together, Eric often made threats to Faith. He once threatened that he would kill her if Karina would not rekindle things with him. Karina and Faith get home around midnight, get dressed, and head out to a well-known club in the area, Thrill. According to video coverage from outside of Club Thrill, the club seems to let out around two. Karina is seen leaving alone. It was reported that she wasn't feeling well. I imagine she went to the car. Faith is actually seen exiting after with a guy. She's smiling and seems to have what be having at least a great time. The two ladies participated in the let out and Karina decided it was time to leave as she had gotten too intoxicated. If you don't know what the let out is, it's when the club lets out and people loiter in the parking lot until the police or security ask you to leave. The two arrive back at Hawthorne at the View between 2.30 and 3. It's now September 7, 2012, and this is when things get blurry. Once Faith and Karina got home, something hit the fan. No one was able to put a finger on what exactly it was. Karina and Faith had a neighbor, Joy, that lived downstairs. During that time, Joy said she heard thumps. She said it could have been a book bag or it even could have been a table being overturned. Whatever it was, it caused both ladies to allegedly start texting and calling the same guy. The guy you ask? Well, it's Karina's on-again, off-again boyfriend, Brandon Edwards. Around 3.45, a message was sent from Faith's phone. The message was to Brandon, and it read, Hey B, can you come over here please? Karina needs you more, aha, you know? Please let her know you care. She immediately sends a follow-up text, Van. So I take it she meant, Hey B, can you come over here please? Karina needs you more than you know. Please let her know you care. After sending the text, Faith falls asleep. Brandon does not text back until the next day. And when he does, his reply is, Who is this? Around 4.30 a.m., Karina leaves with another guy. The guy is Jordan McCrary, another guy she's dating at the time. She states when she left that Faith was asleep. She also states that she left the door unlocked. This will be the last time she sees Faith alive. I'm not quite sure why she would leave the door unlocked. That just remains a mystery to me. I don't know of any adult over the age of 18 that would have their own apartment or place or even a dorm room and would leave the door unlocked. It's weird. The next morning, according to Karina, Around 9.30, she started calling Faith. She needed a ride home. After not being able to get an answer, 
She called her friend Marisol. According to the case notes, this is Marisol Wrangel, a mutual friend between Faith and Corina. At around 11 a.m., Corina and Marisol arrive at Hawthorne at the View and make it to apartment 1502. They head inside. September 7, 2012. Zara 911, where is your emergency? I, um, I just walked into my apartment and my friend just in the wrong context. Okay, what's your address, ma'am? I live at Hawthorne at the View. Um, give me, give me the address. I just, I just moved here. I'm about to get it. Oh my god. It's um five six three nine Old Chapel Hill Road in Durham. Okay, repeat it to me. So, repeat it to me. So I make sure I've got it correct. Okay. Five six three nine Old Chapel Hill Road. It's a okay. What's it? No two. 1602? Yes. What's the phone number you're calling from? 201-321-8075. Okay, you say your friend is unconscious? He's unconscious. I just walked in the apartment and there looks like there's blood everywhere. Okay, listen to me. Okay, listen to me. Listen to me. Somebody's already sending me ambulance. Okay, I need to get some information from you and I'm gonna, I'm gonna help, I'm gonna tell you how to help her, okay? Okay, how how old is your how old is she? She's nineteen. Okay. I don't know. I don't okay. want to touch her, but listen to me. Is is she breathing? I don't know. You need to check and see. Is she breathing? Hey, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay, listen to me. There's blood everywhere. There's what? There's blood everywhere. Okay. I don't know what happened. Okay, is she on her back or is she on her laying on her stomach? She's on her back, but like she, I think she fell off the bed because she's like off the bed. There's blood all over the pillows, like in the comforter. Okay. All right, listen to me, all right? It's someone coming. Yes, I've got somebody coming. I've got somebody coming. I need for you to help her. I need for you to go up to her. We need to see if she's breathing or not. Okay? I think so. Okay. Listen to me. Go up. The paramedics are on their way. I want you to stay on the line. I'm going to tell you what to do next, all right? Are you right by her now? Yes. Okay. Listen carefully. She's not moving. Okay. No. Will you touch her arm? Tell me, how does she feel? Okay, ma'am. We need to find out if we can help her or not. You've got to help. You know, do as I'm asking so we can help her. All right? Okay. Okay. If you can, lay her flat on her back. Remove any pillow. Lay her flat on her back. 
on her back? Flat on her back. Remove any pillow. Okay. Okay. Kneel next to her. Look in her mouth for food or vomit. Okay. Kneel next to her. Look in her mouth for food or vomit. Tell me something. Listen to me. Listen to me. What is your name? I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. It's okay, honey. It's okay, honey. Listen to me. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Listen to me. When you touch her, how does she feel? Does she feel warm? No, she feels cold. She feels cold? Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Don't touch anything else, okay? Don't touch anything else. Okay, they're on their way. I've got police on the way to you, and I've got a, got medics on the way. Okay. Okay. What room is she in? She's in my bedroom. Okay, I want you to go back into the living room. Okay. You I need don't to go know in. What's going on? Like okay, listen, listen to me. In my room that like was not here before. Okay, listen like to me. Someone that came in here. Okay. Okay. It really does. All right. What What did you say your name was again? Okay. I don't. Okay. Listen to me. Do don't touch anything else in the room. I want you to leave leave that room. Go into the living room. You need to make sure make sure the door is unlocked so somebody can get in so that the medics and the police can get in when they get there. Okay. Okay, now yeah, tell me again. Here, okay, they're on their way, honey. They're coming as fast yeah. as they can. You just stay on the phone with me, all right? Yeah. Okay, tell me again what your name is. It looks like someone has been in there because she's okay. not like the Okay, okay. I've let them know. We've got everybody on the way to help you. Now tell me again what your name is. What? What is your name? Karina Rosario. Karina? Yes. Okay, Karina. You just yes. you sit down on the couch and don't touch anything, okay? You just sit down. I'm not touching anything. Okay, okay. I just want you to sit down because the the police and the medics are going to be there. Just They're coming just okay. as fast as they can, all right? Okay. You just you just stay on the phone with me. Okay. okay. You just stay on the phone with me. Are you sure they're coming? Yes, ma'am. They are on their way. I just can't believe this. No, someone had to have been in there. Okay. We've got we've got first responders on the way. There's a fire truck coming. There's a medic coming, and the sheriff's department's on the way to you. Okay. okay. You just stay on the phone with me until somebody gets there with you. Okay. All right? Okay. Okay, Karina. How old are you, Karina? I'm 20. You're 20? Okay, honey. You're doing all right. You're doing all right. You just stay on the I phone with me. I see the police. You see the police? Yes. Okay. You let me know when they get in there with you, and then you can talk to them, all right? I just don't want you to be alone right now. Okay. Okay. You just stay on the phone with me. Okay.
Are they in there with you? They're coming in? Yes. Thank you. Okay, honey. All right. Bye-bye. Faith was found lying in a pool of blood in her bedroom. She was wearing a t-shirt pulled over her head and naked from the waist down. She was bludgeoned, bloody, and had obviously been beaten to death. The autopsy states Faith's cause of death was blunt force trauma. At the time of death, Faith's blood alcohol level was 0.02%. The autopsy mentions scalp and face lacerations, massive head trauma, a chipped tooth, contusions to her arms, hands, fingers, and legs, all of which indicate some type of struggle. I would like to also add that the autopsy states DNA was found in the scene. However, it does not clearly state Faith was sexually assaulted. A bloody liquor bottle was also found. This was presumed as the murder weapon. Who could have killed Faith? And like this. This is brutal and vicious. What could she have done that was this severe and would deserve to be killed in this way? Alright, so let's recap. What do we know so far? We know Faith and Karina were super close friends who were roommates. We know they lived at an apartment that was once occupied by Karina and Takoy, her previous ex, who turned out to be abusive. We also know that at one point, Takoy made threats to Faith over his ex, Karina. We know on the night of September 6th, Faith dropped Karina off at the library and went to the rush meeting for Alpha Pi Omega. After the meeting, Faith scooped Karina up and the two went home. They got dressed. They went out. Around 2.30 the next morning, now September 7th, Faith and Karina get home. During the same time, their neighbor Joy stated she heard thumps coming from upstairs. She wasn't quite sure what it was. We also know that around 3.45, a message was sent to Brandon Edwards from Faith, allegedly. I also have a curveball for you. Faith was also said to have been accessing her Facebook around 3.30 that morning. Perhaps it was just late night scrolling. We also know now, Karina was the last known person who saw Faith alive. And also the first to find her dead. That itself is suspicious. Investigators immediately eyed Eric Takoy Jones as a person of interest in the vicious murder. Prior encounters between Faith, Karina, and Jones led Eric to state he would kill Faith if Karina didn't rekindle things with him. At one point in time, Eric also lived in the same exact apartment with them. He knew where the apartment was, so of course he was a suspect. Within 24 hours, Eric also tweeted and texted a friend, please forgive me for what I'm about to do. It was later determined that Eric was cleared. He took to Twitter and stated, Takoy Jones's name is clear. He also states that he's glad it's over and that he never lost any sleep over it. Two years later, in September 2014, police released new evidence related to the investigation. A note was left next to Faith, 
The note read, I'm not stupid, bitch. Jealous. I take it the writer meant, I'm not stupid, jealous, bitch. According to police, the letter was written on a fast food bag of some sort. A handwriting analyst from Crime Watch Daily indicated the handwriting appears to have been written with the non-dominant hand. So if you normally write with your right hand, you would have written this note with your left hand. It was chicken scratch, basically. My question is, what would Faith have been jealous of? At this point, I'm wondering, could the suspect really be male or female? Because I have no idea why Faith would be jealous of another male. Also, if your intent was to kill her, why would you leave a note? She wouldn't be able to read it. It wasn't a suicide note. Makes me think it was simply put in place to cover something up. One year later, 2015, Crime Watch Daily releases an alleged butt-to-out voicemail from Faith's phone that occurred around 1.30 in the morning the night of the murder. The call had to be analyzed by a professional as the call was basically scrambled. I'm going to attempt to read an excerpt from the transcript and place the rest on the As the Crime Turns site to view at your leisure. Keep in mind that the call was basically scrambled or garbled, so the words are going to be somewhat confusing. I also apologize up front for the profanity. Bear with me, please. A female says, you motherfucker. Faith says, no. A male says something inaudible. Female, you are just bullshitting. Male, what kind of person would lie? Faith, even no. Male, did you fuck your own obsession? Faith, I didn't do it. Male, this is all fucking her good, her description. Female, why? Male, you, because it belongs to you. Fucking bullshit story, you personally. Female, I'm going to kick your face, bitch. I figured out this bullshit. Don't ever think that I would have believed you. Lies at you. Faith. Ow. Female. Ow. Mocking. Female. Your talk sure ain't funny. You know he's gonna you and fuck you. I will fuck you, bitch. Faith. Inaudible scream. Female. Mm-hmm. Faith. Let me go. Male. Her. Faith. Help me. During the call, there's a piece where someone is being called Rosie. It was at that time that the nickname was considered as an association to Karina Rosario. If, in fact, Karina was Rosie, or is Rosie, she was definitely present during the conflict captured during the butt dial, and may have even participated. Faith's father was certain that the voicemail proved something was happening to Faith. Roland states, quote, From day one, I heard my daughter screaming in the background, and I knew something was going on. Quote. Police claimed the call was from the club. They felt it was from inside the thrill. Although it was extremely hard to decipher what is being said, 
from the way I read the transcript, it is safe to say there was conflict occurring. One year later, now 2016, Chapel Hill police release a composite sketch of who they feel could possibly be the murderer using DNA from the crime scene. After reviewing the image, it looks as though the proposed killer was Latino. The age is unknown, as well as the body stature. This image is now available on the As the Crime Turns website. At the time, Chapel Hill Chief of Investigations, Salisa Lehu, worked actively to try and solve Faith's case. She still is. As of October 2018, the Chapel Hill Chief of Investigations partnered with Paraben Nano Labs to compare the killer's DNA to public databases. This service, which by the way launched in May of 2018, has successfully helped law enforcement agencies nationwide positively identify nine suspects in crimes so far. However, I'd like to add that seven years later, this case has yet to be solved. Someone somewhere knows something. According to ABC News 11, Faith's sister Rolanda was asked what she would say to the person responsible for her sister's death, and she stated, quote, Your days are numbered. You will not get away with it. Quote, I couldn't agree with her more. All right, let's recap a little more. Karina, who who leaves their apartment door unlocked? Who leaves their dorm room unlocked? I don't even leave my door unlocked when I go walk my dog. I lock it and I take my key with me. Was it that you didn't care enough about your valuables? Or was it that you didn't care enough about Faith to ensure she was sleeping safely? And secondly, the 911 call. Why the need to keep saying that you don't know what happened? It's obvious that you didn't know what happened. You weren't home. Why the need to keep saying that over and over? I almost felt like she wanted to convince the operator that she doesn't know what happened. Seems like the operator wasn't even really asking her what happened the entire time. And while this is all happening, where was Marisol? When I was writing my own take of the story, I watched a documentary that premiered on the ID channel entitled Breaking Homicide. On this show, police detective Derek Levasseur and forensic psychologist Chris Mohanduel worked to try and solve or at least bring new information to unsolved cold cases submitted by viewers like you and I. Let me just say these guys are incredible. They do an amazing job with this show. They did an excellent job with Fate's Cake. They even found new info. Like the fact that Faith had a love interest at the time, Ty Michael McNeil. Faith and Ty met initially during her freshman orientation in 2010. Ty was a tour guide. When asked how Ty felt about Faith, he stated, and I quote, I fell in love instantly with Faith. He and Faith remained in an on and off again situation as Faith always had her high school sweetheart in the back of her mind. According to Friends of Faith, Ty was obsessive, controlling, and at times even abusive. Times were recalled where he would pop up unannounced and would come extremely upset when Faith wouldn't respond or be there in a certain amount of time. According to Ty, 
on the day prior to Faith's murder, the two were scheduled to hang out. Ty texts Faith and asked on September 6, 2012, Hey, are we still hanging out today? He didn't receive a response until 3.50 the next morning, which happens to be the same time that Brandon was getting a text from Faith as well. The message read, quote, I know you're probably sleeping, but I just want to let you know that I love you. Not a day goes by that you don't cross my mind. I know it will be like this for the rest of my life because of what we've been through together. Besides that, I still feel the same. Sorry for being in my feelings, but hey, without feelings, we wouldn't have life. Sometimes, I feel like you are my life. Wow. Ty explained the message threw him off as she had never expressed herself this way. He was at home at the time of the message. This was later verified by police. When he responded the next morning, Faith was already dead. Chris and Derek were also able to speak with Marisol Rangel, the young lady who drove Karina home the morning of the murder. Faith was like uh, a little sister to me. We were really close, uh, me, her, and Karina, and I really, like, I love them so much, and they were like little sisters. I'm the oldest out of the three, so we were always together and always um, hanging out. She would always be the one to kind of, like, crack jokes or be the one to kind of, like, comfort people, but she was always kind of, like, that one person who would, like, brighten up the room just with, like, her smile or her laughing or just, like, doing something goofy. How was the relationship between Faith and Karina? They were really close. Um, they were like sister sisters. Marisol, there, there's the idea out there that Karina may know more about what happened to Faith than she has told police. What do you think about that? I don't, I don't think so. Tell us from your perspective, how you became involved with, with Karina on the morning of September 7th. That morning, uh, Karina reached out to me um, saying that she was trying to get a hold of Faith um, and she wasn't answering her phone or her text, so she was worried. So um, she asked me if I had heard from her, if like I could reach out to her just to see like if she would pick up or anything. So. Um, I reached out to Faith as well, um, and I didn't get a response, but I told Karina, like, you know what, like, I'm available, like, if you want, I'll come get you. So you two arrive back at the complex. What do you see? We uh, noticed Faith's car was there, so um, I let her know. I was like, well, she must have overslept. That's probably, that's why she's not picking up. Um, like, if you want to, I was like, you two can get ready. We'll wake her up or whatever and then head back to campus, I'll drop y'all off instead of having to ride the bus. So you decide, she says, okay, yeah, that, that'd be great if you give us a ride. Yeah. And, and you two decide to go up to the apartment? Mm -hmm. Walk us through that. And we're just calling her name out, like, Faith, like, where are, like, like are, are you awake? Like, you know, I'm taking y'all. Um, and that's when, um, We get to the 
the bedroom and um, we see her and there's blood everywhere. And I didn't want to think she was dead. Like, I didn't want to believe that. Um, so um, we're both trying to call 911. Um, she unlocks her password first. We both had passwords on our phone. So she was able to get uh, hers unlocked first and calls 911. Where is your emergency? asking us to touch her, um, the 911 operator, um, and I just couldn't, like, touch her. You knew from seeing it that there's nothing you could do. I, I, like, knew there was nothing I could do, but I didn't want to believe that. Right. Do you still talk to Karina? No. When was the last time? Definitely over a year. Why did it stop? You guys were so close. <laughs> um, I think it's because being around each other reminds us of that day. <laughs> and everyone just has like their last memories of faith are, you know, good and positive ones, but ours is different. Ours is finding our best friend there, lying there, us feeling hopeless, not knowing what to do, not knowing how we can help her. It's odd that Karina and Mayor saw no longer close, particularly because oftentimes the death of a loved one can make two people closer. I guess in this instance, distant also. I sit here at a standstill, and seven years after this heinous crime was committed, the family and loved ones of Faith are left asking, who could have done this? Today, Chapel Hill police are actively working to solve Faith's case. In my opinion, it's not a matter of if, it's more of a when as I'm confident the killer will be caught. Honestly, I feel Karina knows much more than she's letting on, just my theory. If you or anyone you know has information in relation to the murder of Faith Danielle Hedgepeth, please, I'm begging you to contact Chapel Hill Crime Stoppers. Their contact number is area code 919-942 7515 or area code 919-226-PRIME. Again, that's area code 919-942-7515 or area code 919-226-CRIME. Currently, there's up to a $40,000 reward for information that leads to an arrest and closing of this case. All right, that's it for today's episode, everyone. But it doesn't have to end there. 
I want to know what you think. What are your theories on who could have committed this crime? I've set up a voicemail line so that you can call in and give me your theory. Give us a call at area code 641-715-3900. When prompted, use extension 721-596-POUND. Again, at 641-715-3900. Use extension 721-596-POUND. I hope everyone enjoyed today's episode. And as I said at the beginning, as my future crime turners, I am relying solely on you all to let me know how I'm doing. So if you like the show today, please go on to Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening to this on and give me a five-star rating. Let me know what you like about the show. I'm eager to hear feedback. Also, keep up with us on social. You can tweet us at As The Crime Turns and even follow us on Insta as As The Crime Turns Podcast. Until next time, I'm Desmond DeVell, and this is As The Crime Turns.